0: Good evening. So the the occasion that brings us here is your new work, Refugees, Terror, and Other Troubles with the Neighbors, colon, against the double blackmail. Um, And in this book, you put yourself in what I suppose is rather an unusual position for a leftist intellectual, which is is that of the border policeman. I mean, I say this in a provocative way because it's a book that says at the outset that there has to be some kind of border control. I mean, the question at hand is how we, and the we in your book is broadly a European we, um, how we should behave towards our non-European neighbour who is migrating and who wishes to settle within our borders. And you say that the greatest hypocrites are those who advocate open borders. And the quote is, they play the beautiful soul which feels superior to the corrupted world while secretly participating in it. I mean, as I'm sure you know, this no-borders position has been at the center of anti-racist organization uh, organizing and uh, immigrant organizing in Europe for at least 25 years, and you dismiss it out of hand as as the most morally corrupt position there could be. Could you say why why
1: you take this stance? I wonder if you have time to clarify all this, but first, thanks to you, my thanks to you, and to all of you, although if you allow me in my twisted corrupted style, a small remark. I love reserve seats which remain empty <laughs> because this reminds me of in GDR DDR ex East Germany, of the most beautiful ritual that they had till fifty six at every meeting even of Oh my God! Now they will no longer be free. Yeah, On, of, said. Ah, but one still is, yeah. and I will tell you immediately for whom this chair is. On every party, Communist Party meeting in East Germany, from Congress, Politburo, Central Committee, up to the smallest in a factory, Communist Party cell meeting, they had this ritual. They always. They began with voting that Comrade Stalin will preside this meeting. This was ritualized. Then the one who really ran the meeting said that it's not sure if Comrade Stalin will be able to come, but that if by a miracle he will drop by, there has to be one chair empty is, for him. Stalin's chair and is here. this went to the end. Hmm. So here it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah couldn't resist doing this. Now, seriously, because this book is meant in a very uh, serious way. Uh, I will be very brutal, not towards the poor refugees. Let me make one thing clear. The reason I even called for the intervention of the army and so on and so on is not to protect, I emphasize this, the borders, Control, but on the contrary, the way it was done in this chaotic way, uh, first, it evolved an immense corruption. Its principal victims were refugees themselves. It's counted that at least eight, nine billions of dollars was the profit of smugglers. Second thing, The way it was done in this chaotic way was a catastrophe for refugees themselves because of this chaotic way, it arose, generated a terrible popular unease, unease, so that, you know, like, okay, I will directly go provoking you, Uh, uh, Are you for democracy? I hope you will say yes. Let's say yes. Yes. Let's go for yes. How then. then? But I am for refugees. How then can you be for the refugees? In any, I doubt if there is an exception, European country at this moment, if there were to be a referendum, the majority would have been against. And this is not I'm very cynical here. This is not an argument against the refugees. This is an argument for Angela Merkel and an argument about the limits of democracy. I even had here a conflict with my otherwise good friend Yanis Varoufakis who now had, you know, this movement DM more democracy in Europe mm-hmm. and I told him, are you crazy? Like, democracy look, in France, in Germany now you have democracy in this vulgar sense of what the majority thinks. And it's maybe, how is it called? It's no longer Pegida, Frauke, that woman, that populist oh, uh, alternative uh, for um, Germany. Für yeah, 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 that, yes. Uh, you know that in some local elections, they already... This is the voice of the innocent And this <laughs> jokes...
2: <laughs>
1: sorry, I hope yeah. you allow me a dirty... I cannot resist it. Uh, one of the excellent jokes, what this innocence of a child can say. It's a deeply Hegelian joke Uh, uh, in ex Yugoslavia in Croatia there was a pretty dark leader, not directly dictator but authoritarian, Franjo Tudjman Mm -hmm. and he was not very popular in the 90s and there is, uh, maybe if you know some of my books once, I already quote this joke but it's irresistible for me it goes on like this that uh, 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 he is on a plane above Croatia and he's hypocritical servant or secretary called him, "Uh, Mr. President, why why don't you throw through the window one check for a million dollars and to make at least one Croat happy? Then all these hypocrites around him, his, his, I don't know, uh, another young supporter says, but Mr. President, why don't you throw out two checks for half a million and make two Croats happy? And so on and so on, till the innocent voice of a young kid, his grandson says, but, Grandpa, why don't you throw out of the window yourself and make all the Croats happy, you know? And uh, this... Okay, I'm so sorry we don't have time for this. Let's go back. No, need, uh, you
0: know, no, okay, no, no, okay, so no.
1: That, that, democracy, we need to talk about democracy yeah, yeah, and yeah. why... No, why? I am, I am. I'm not against democracy. I'm not saying there is some higher body like Communist Party, historical avant-garde, which knows better than ordinary people. For me, the model, although I'm, of course, generally politically not on her side, but a good politician should have done what Angela Merkel did. And I know some people who know some people, a couple of degrees of separation, who know her, and I was told that she did consciously. She knew that the majority will be against. And I think that's the greatness of our vision. You risk, you do something, although you know that the majority is against, hoping that you enacting this problematic measure will create new conditions which will retroactively legitimize it. So that's my first problem. Do you dare to go into this direction? The second problem, uh, yeah, what, sorry, what I meant by this darkest part of my position, by the army and so on, I just think that if they were to organize it in a useful way, and people tell me, but army, you know what is army? Well, I can't, all I can tell you is without army, mostly when they were passing through different countries, it was police which was taking care of the refugees, and if you don't trust the army, trust even less police. Police is much more to the right. But you, so you have a position that, that
0: says there must be some uh, action action by the state. It must... Uh, absolutely. It, it must, it's, not, it's not something that's going to come bottom-up from the will of the European people. No, absolutely um, not. But you definitely in this book identify firstly as as, a, as a, 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 an enemy, let, let's say, those who... Uh, try and base their politics on a, a position of open borders. Because you uh, think they're bluffing. Right. Why, why, why is that? Why is, because I mean, because, because there, is, there is a left position that says that one ought to make solidarity with the migrants, one ought to be an internationalist, yeah, but for me, solidarity and, is and one ought is to, really to, try to the border in, in this way. Okay, so, I ask you this.
1: Yeah. Uh, what... Can you define it? I'm not provoking you now, but a general question. People all the time talk about open borders. Mm. Define open borders for me. Well, it's it's clearly a utopian notion. As soon as you open the border, and there's any, there's any. How uh, would you? Okay, then I ask you concretely. What should it mean for you, open borders, at this particular moment in Europe? at uh, this particular moment in Europe, it should surely mean uh, that you assert
0: the freedom of movement of people rather than just the freedom of movement of capital. I'm actually not defending this position because I think it is, as, as you, you point out in but your But what book, do we mean by it becomes, freedom of the people? Well, it, it, effectively, it, beca- it, becomes, uh, it becomes impossible for any state to kind of deal with the, with the inflow unless there are some criteria by which, yeah, people yeah, are, yeah. which people are admitted or not admitted. And this... This is the position that you start from, and I want to work forward to say and to ask in your book, what criteria do you think emerge from this situation? Because you, you propose that there ought to be some, let's say, sort of axiomatic uh, criteria, that they yeah, ought to and be here open, they
1: Eurocentrism to of be clear. In <clears> but you
0: also are not afraid to say that you believe that there are such a thing as European cultural values yes, that are yes. not the values of the majority of the, in, the inflowing uh, migrants and that political and social problems stem from, from not, those things. Uh, no, so first, let, so, yeah. Yeah,
1: okay, First, let's be honest. Uh, I explicitly emphasised a couple of times Uh, three, four other crucial points. First, it's not just a catastrophe out there and we Europeans now out of our goodness will maybe receive some refugees. Western powers are deeply involved, responsible for the crisis out of which refugees are coming, I give the little bit of a history, like the way international capital is exploiting economically these third-world countries, like uh, from uh, Congo and so on, neocolonialism economic, which is a reality, geopolitical gains, Libya. Like, it's clear to everyone, I almost feel stupid to repeat that, without uh, American invasion of Iraq, there wouldn't have been no ISIS, and so on. So I admit all this. Uh, problems begin at what level? My big fear is how to prevent that uh, the result of the influx of refugees will be a Europe which will be even much worse than what you fear now with Trump's presidency here, a new nationalist, racist Europe and I must openly admit that the worst part of this new Ro- Europe are countries to which my own country belongs, so called post Communist East European countries, that uh, a vertical line from Baltic countries, Poland, Czech Republic, Hungary, Slovenia, Croatia and so on. It's incredible what type of an open, brutal Brutal, incredibly brutal, racist discourse is all of a sudden publicly acceptable there. So, uh, the mistakes of the left are, for me, not to propose a specific politics. I think, as I said it clearly a couple of times in the book, that first, the main danger to European identity are those who present themselves as defenders of Europe today. This, of course imply that I see something good, worth fighting for in European legacy. I do, very simply. The legacy of enlightenment, uh, human rights, although I have great doubts about human rights, women's rights, welfare state, solidarity, and so on, all that, you know, we tend to forget that, and here I provoke you consciously, that even when we criticize Europe, We, as a rule, criticize it from the European tradition. That's, for me, nonetheless great about European legacy. It provides excellent intellectual tools also to criticize itself. So what is my position here? Bring even more refugees, but in an organized way, not organized in the sense that they as some of my friends attacked me ironically that you establish some cultural police outposts and if they don't know the basic of European <laughs> civilization, they don't come in. But in a kind of a broad social pact, first, also, it goes without saying, we have our own violences and so on, but uh, against uh, Islamophobia and so on and so on. But the first thing I would have said is that... Uh, There should be some kind of a, I put it in very naive terms, but I think it should be put openly, clearly, a kind of a general, that's the only big frame that I would impose on everyone, a general pact on some basic rules, like tolerating each other's culture and so on, which should be simply respected by everyone. And this would have affected all sides, On the one hand, I would strictly prosecute mercilessly with police all European nationalist outbursts against immigrants. On the other hand, and here I see one of the catastrophes, you know, some, I underline three times, some of the immigrants. For example, in which countries? I know examples of Germany, Sweden, Denmark, and Netherlands. For example every year when they have a gay parade, pride, or whatever, there are Muslim groups which attack them. This also, how should put it, I consider it so wrong if we, the tendency among liberal left in Europe is not to talk about it, we just help the enemy and so on and so on. At the end then, you have this impression, which is a false one, exploding that oh, liberals want to Islamize Europe. They don't want us to talk about it. So what, right wingers? Yeah, the, the trouble is on the base, What basis does one talk about it? Because I mean, you've 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 stated that there
0: are such things as European cultural values that are worth defending. You've yeah. named some of those yeah. some of those values, and in this book, you do talk about culture in quite a loose way. Frequently, I mean, you say you say. Of, of the refugees, um, that they are part of a culture that cannot accept many of the features we yes. perceive as, as but not so hard but. Is but why, why? I mean, you, it, it's often, it often seems that they're presented in, in your work as very wholly determined by their culture and unable to adapt. Ah, I mean, there's it, the gap in your book is for me. is a very... Let, uh, let, me, let, me I'm sorry, let me finish. I'm very me. sorry. Please. My talk yes. is that there's, the, there's this European subject position, the liberal uh, Western uh, subject who has decided choosing where, who to let in and who to keep out. There are these uh, migrants who, in this formulation that you borrow from Badiou, are either possessed of a desire for the West or are possessed of this desire for the West that has kind of curdled into mm-hmm. hatred, an mm-hmm. ISIS-like hatred. But it's, it, um, but what do you do about people like me, for example, who I am, I, I'm a European in a, in a basic way, but I'm the child of a migrant, but I, my, my relationship to the neighbors is not, as you describe in your book, as a, a, a relationship with a spooky, uncanny other who is ultimately unknowable. The neighbors are my cousins. The neighbors are in my in my family, and it feels very... Are problematic some of the ways that uh, that you slide from talking of? I, I, I can fully support the idea of an open set of axioms by which people can yeah. participate in society. And we're we're speaking in the, the United States. That's essentially the basis on which this nation of mm. immigrants is is founded. Europe has this problem with the question of culture, uh, and 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 how one accommodates a pre-existing culture and, and history with with new migrants and you know as you've as you've alluded to you you can very easily get into trouble as soon as you start uh, uh, defending european culture on certain grounds and this book seems to seems to not acknowledge that there are the, the people change, that migrants come, they, they have children, second generation... Perfect. Second generation people like me turn up who have much more complicated Wait minute, relationships... Wait I'm not with throwing you outside. out. You're not, I'm not throwing you out. That's just it's a beginning, it's the beginning. That's the start of a
1: civil <coughs> conversation. Okay. Um, Perfect. No problem. But uh, where do things get complicated? First, I don't know if I was clear enough, maybe it was a quickly composed book. What I mean by culture... No, 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 I'm not trying to squeeze out. I'm not making any... I'm not like Trump. I'm not telling you it will not be a wall, but just a fence or whatever. <laughs> not, no, 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 no. Uh, 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 Although people accused me that I was for Trump, which I was not, because I secretly hope that I will be invited to White we, House. We will talk about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> more seriously. Sorry, sorry, it's not fair what I'm doing now, turning into joke. But... uh I will say this what I mean by culture are these daily practices of how you make fun, family relations, sexual relations, and so on, which you never should underestimate their power. Mm -hmm. And at that level, there are, to say modestly, some cultural differences. I'm not saying they should change. What I think is that first, these two sets of problems I see, which are not, ah, first about when you set accommodations and so on, but you know what makes me skeptic? If you look, I don't trust the media and so on, but from what we can nonetheless guess of so-called, I underline so-called terrorists who did the bombing in Brussels, in Paris, you know what's so interesting? They are practically all of them second-generation immigrants Their parents were already much more integrated. Mm -hmm. So the question is, they we cannot preach integration. They are a reaction to what they see as a false integration. So it gets complicated. But what I want to say is here, one rule we said is mutual toleration. The other rule, brutally, is the limits of this mutual toleration. I don't believe in this liberal formula to each of us our own way of life. Let me, and I mention this example in the book, and don't tell me it's marginal because it's not marginal. There are every year thousands of just registered examples. Let's say in Germany you have a Muslim girl, immigrant, who gets in love with a German guy, wants to live. Western world. Family puts terrible pressure on her. She goes to the police, demands protection. Don't tell me this is marginal. In the last couple of years, I got this from my leftist friends, German police had to establish over 20 safe houses, I would almost call them. Okay, Now the limit is here. Then her family or community claims by protecting the girl you are destroying our way of life. Cle- well, clearly, this formulation of liberal multiculturalism where you leave everybody
0: alone yeah. in the sanctity of their culture is not functional. I'm very, So I'm very all I demand, abandon- and that's the
1: maximum, you know, is that, and it holds also for us, that we establish... How to deal, and there is no easy solution. I'm definitely not saying we should simply impose our values I and sp- I so on. My,
0: I suppose my query about the whole book is the question of non-white agency. It's uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of there's a there's a lot of sort of full possessors of, of the European tradition who, are, who have this problem on their plates. You know, and, and either we're or we won't we won't deal with it. <laughs> And there are these migrants who are defined almost totally by their relationship to, to European culture. They're either desirous of the West or they are, they no, are angry minute, at the I West. I mean, their, and you, you, fall, you fall into saying things like, you know, the ones, the ones who desire the West but who don't migrate uh, make these kind of pathetic simulacra
1: of Western things like shopping malls in no, their no, benighted no, third-world cities. Minute, but a, uh, I should a, hear, I refer there, when I say this, I... Try to give, following Alain Badiou, some kind of a, what I see the as schema. a it's genesis a simple, yeah. As yeah. of so called terrorism, with mm-hmm. a, a clear critical edge also towards us. My point is that terrorists are strictly a post modern phenomenon of reacting to the West. Like, can you imagine, forget about ideology, a more modern, flexible, efficient, Organization than ISIS. <laughs> no, in its mode of organization. Well, a post 1789 organization. They're even good people, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, it's not this. All, so we agree with this, nothing, corp, just this. A certain, put them publicly, minimal rights, and also not just patronize them, involve them, let them say their side. Like, I didn't like after that. Uh, Köln, uh, Hmm. train station, it's not clear, I admit it, what happened there. Uh, One thing I'm sure of, you remember, New Year's Eve, thousands of blah, blah people there uh, harassed a little bit, women. But now I only got it what really happened. It was absolutely not a serious attempt at raping or whatever. Friends told me from Egypt, from Ramallah, where I was... Listen, this is our common ritual. Young men go out and just play uh, no rape. This is just their way of carnival. In the same way, I'm first to admit it, we have our own vulgar carnivals. Go to October beer fest or whatever in Munich and so on. So I'm not saying... All I'm saying is all this should be brought out. When there was that Munich, uh, sorry, uh, Kellen Mm -hmm. carnival, nobody even inquired... But what happened? What did it mean to them? And then they speculated, was it a gang, gang rape or not? It was just, I'm not saying we should accept that carnival, but you know, that's the problem. Each culture has its own, how should I call it, half illegal obscenities which are really part of that culture. I mean, you Americans are maybe even the worst here. Just look, go to any campus and you have that horror my, my European morality is shocked, that you call here fraternities and sororities. Like, I rather don't even think what happens there and so on. So, again, the second problem I am ready to raise up here is, there is none that, So, again, my position is absolutely... I said is more refugees in Europe, but let's do it in a way that would prevent... Right-wingers take over. Of course, not in the simple sense, let's concede to the right-wingers. No, they will be. uh, 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 But second point, which is more crucial for me, is that we should also raise some of these questions, and I had many debates with my Arab friends about this. like, why is it all of a sudden Middle East versus Europe? Why is, and I find this a little bit ironic. All the time we hear there are new centers of power China, India, uh, 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 United States, Pacific Rim, whatever, Europe is out. Yeah, but obviously many people still want to go to Europe. Now you will say because Europe can be reached by feet, it's closed there. Ah, this is for me the biggest enigma. Why do we talk so little about it? Uh, listen, just beneath, below, the crisis region, which means Iraq-Syria. There are a couple of Arab countries which are very wealthy, to put it mildly. And why do you think they don't take refugees? Why because is they, they that are not Saudi crazy. And and because Israel? they are afraid of unrest, because they are mafia states. I claim that Saudi Arabia is not even... That's why it is such a good ally of the United States. Saudi Arabia is not even a normal... Think of Saudi Arabia as a big banking corrupted empire, where a big family is in power. What about uh, Qatar? Qatar, I exploded when I had a talk at uh, at Al Jazeera, very polemic talk. Like, they say all the time, ooh, how brutal Europe is, and so on and so on. Fuck you, how many refugees did Qatar take? Mm -hmm. Qatar, which usually competes with Liechtenstein and Singapore as the per capita wealthiest country in the world. None. Kuwait, none. Arab Emirates, none. So
0: from from a right-wing point of view... They've had a very successful strategy. They've managed, to, they've managed to maintain social order and deny the problematic influx of refugees. And the, the who issue have to go issue, only
1: to poor Arab countries. The, the,
0: who, who are in Lebanon, who are in Jordan. The, Even Egypt, yeah. So the, the draw for refugees is, under this narrative, it's European social democracy, precisely the thing that you wish to preserve as you know, part of the suite of European yes. values that must be, must be defended if Europe is to have Meaning, um, and the right answer to this is, well, dismantle social democracy and they won't come. We'll make it as vicious and brutal as, and dog-eat-dog dog no, as, as but possible. but that's why this is what I want
1: to prevent. And the only way out I see is organize, large organization, state, and so on. Here we come to my authoritarian leftism, I openly admit it. I see limits in democracy, and I don't think that the left should follow this eternal seduction with, you know, uh, multitude, local democracy, people should organize from themselves, from below, and so on, and so, so on. So a bit of old-fashioned, top-down
0: statism. But Why old how, but I... how what, uh, European governments don't feel that they have the mandate to do that, Brexit, has got everybody on the run in Britain. Everybody's now out trying to outdo themselves and being as harsh as they can. The French are looking very nervously towards a Marine Le Pen Front National victory in April. We've got the Dutch elections coming. We've got Merkel is going to take a beating in the November German elections. How is this uh, coordinated state action in favor of the refugees possibly going to function?
1: Uh, How is it going to happen? No, no, here I'm simply a pessimist. It will not happen, which means maybe that it's the end of Europe the way we know it. The only conclusion that I take from this, then we will say, so what? No, no, no. It's that uh, I reject, and this brought me also many enemies, I reject what I call very ironically the Brexit Trump leftists in Europe. Those who think European Union is an organ of international capital forget it. We should all do our own Brexit-Grexit. We should establish stronger nation-states which will mm. be able in their sovereignty to preserve more of the welfare state and so on. And, and, and be protection, economically protectionist. Yeah, I totally disagree with this. Listen, when some leftists in Britain were for Brexit as a chance for a new social democracy, I told them, are they crazy? Listen, a friend provided me with a list of all big conflicts in the last 20, 30 years between British government and European Union. Sorry with this terrifying European bureaucracy. Sorry, but almost in all the cases I'm for Europe. For example, 20 years ago, a little bit less, when Blair was president around that time, European Union wanted to impose in all Europe this basic at least minimum welfare state provisions, like the maximum of hours you work per week, the minimum of holidays you get per free time that you get per year, even some ecological standards. British government rejected them all, claiming they limit their their competitivity and so on and so on. So I claim Brexit not only will not enhance British sovereignty, it simply means we want to sell ourselves to global capitalism totally directly even without the, this moderate as it is, protection of it's, it's going to
0: end up as the cayman islands with worse weather i think that's the Sorry? It's, it's going to be it's, britain is going to turn into the caymans with worse weather it's going to be a it's going to be a platform for wandering finance capital the most capital.
1: wonderful definition that i heard Yes. Yeah. the of united Thank kingdom so now I'm going to be nasty to you. Um, you brought up the
0: T word. You brought up the Trump word. You, before the election... No, uh, oh, it's not the, no
1: longer the F word, but the... the T, T word. The T word. the great yeah, euphemism
0: yeah. of Brooklyn. Um, you, if not endorsed Trump, you said that Trump was the preferable candidate to Clinton. And as you know, in, in making that judgment, you put yourself on the other side to the vast majority of uh, non White people voting in this country. Your, uh, and I mean, as far as I understand it, your position was basically a sort of Leninist position that we sharpen the contradictions and there might be some interesting revolutionary possibilities that could come out a of, film, a tr- yeah. of a Trump win. But I say to you that that calculation of risk and opportunity was you. You came out with a very different answer from most of uh, most of my friends, especially the non-white friends. I mean, it, because it's. It's immigrants. It's undocumented. It's it's LGBTQ. It's it's people of color who are going to bear the brunt of, of, of what you were hoping for. And so I said to you, well, aren't you just throwing uh, throwing oh, the I, throwing I was, the queers and the immigrants under the bus okay, in the hope that okay. the bus skids yeah. in an interesting yeah, yeah. revolutionary direction? No, no,
1: no, 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 no. Okay, okay, okay. No, no, no. I'm here. Uh, I thought about it, and I totally allow for the possibility that I am wrong. But uh, I nonetheless think that. First, this absolute liberal scare of Trump is part of this uh, liberal blackmail. We are the only chance. No, the election was well screwed up the moment Hillary got rid of, of, got rid of Bernie Sanders. And it was a catastrophic, mega catastrophic mistake to think that she had, has to move more to the center. What she didn't take into account that a very strong percentage of Trump votes, as far as I can judge, were people who were genuinely sustained by some kind of a abstract, of course not directly leftist, but nonetheless anti establishment rage, so that Hillary's politics enabled them to sustain the vision that the only anti establishment candidate is Trump, And also many Sanders voters were disappointed. I think that if Hillary were to take the risk to move a little bit more to the left, then she would have had much greater chances to get even some of the Trump
0: vote. Actually, if you look at the Democrat platform, it was one of the most progressive Democrat platforms that anyone has
1: fought on yeah, but for, it's for many, many contradictory. Years. Be serious. I mean, look at the end how even the cold warriors like Paul Wolfowitz and so on, they all went to Hillary basically and so on. Hillary is the cold war. It's much more when they say, ooh, Trump is a madman, new... New, uh, a new atomic war. I fear much more Hillary here. Okay, well, hey, we, okay, we don't put have it,
0: Hillary. We have Trump. So, so the madman
1: is in charge. And um, yeah, you but he's not a direct see I thing. see him. Yeah. I will put it like this. I see him as a disgusting, almost subhuman, not totally subhuman, as I wrote... You're sounding like a terrible latte-drinking liberal there with your... Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> this this sort of up, disgust not, at the blonde yeah, yeah. yeah. The, no, no, the blonde I totally Trump. I totally agree with you, you here, know. what you are <laughs> implying, that if I hate something, is this liberal, as, as in front of a snake, total fear, Trump, and so on and so on, let's be brutally, coldly... Realistic. Trump is an absolutely disgusting opportunist. He is obviously now looking for his way. As I already mentioned, I think, did you notice, in the last three days, if I follow the media correctly, he changed three times his position of first it is a wall, then it's not a wall, then it's just a fence, and so on. And then no Obamacare, then there are some good elements in Obamacare. But he was always doing this. At some point he said we should have more understanding for Palestinians. Then the Zionist backlash. Two days later, he said Jerusalem is the eternal capital of Israel, <laughs> whatever. I don't fear Trump. I fear much more the, you know, all those Republicans for whom Trump was too much are now, that coming, Trump is power, the Trumpist power, coming of... back, and I fear of their influence or, on Trump's policy. So, so but if, don't you, yeah. but so, I think nonetheless, That's my big fear. Of course, what I was afraid, and I must say, I'm not cheating, that I was, let's put it, slightly surprised with Trump's victory, no? I was afraid I already could have heard those signs of relief. Oh, my God, the worst is over, and so on and so on. No, I sincerely think that all humanity is slowly approaching some abyss. Ecology, new racial tensions, what will happen in economy. Capitalism is approaching clearly a limit. Now everybody knows it. Look at the problems of, uh, of intellectual property, cooperative commons, and so on and so on. And these points are extremely dangerous. And what I was so afraid of in Hillary's position was this. Okay. We are not as bad as Trump. We played safely. No, that's not enough. We need a brutal awakening. So I'm sincerely ready the to story. apologize. To apologize. Uh, uh, maybe I, and I'm well aware of all those horrors around Trump, even more than, on, than all those, how do you call them, uh, white supremacists and so you know on. I mean,
0: but you're making the calculation that for you, this is the this is the better route and I, and I'm and I'm saying you know you're getting other people to do your revolutionary dirty work cuz you won't be at the front
1: of the the front of the lines wait uh, okay i will put it Uh, like this, Uh, it will sound ironic, but I mean it pretty literally. You can apply this criticism to all revolutionaries. You know that Lenin was ever really risking his life? No. He was in safety in Switzerland. You know, what was Marx doing when there was Paris Commune? He went on a first-class train to Karl Vivari, Karlsbad, and so on. So I, I think that don't, now I'll say something very brutal. Don't look From us theoreticians, this time, okay, I got confused, not really, but I will give you a clear answer. Jacques Lacan once provided a perfect formula when somebody accused him, but you are preaching in your theory one thing, but you are doing a different thing. He said, a good psychoanalyst answer is always, don't look at me, what I'm doing, look at what I'm saying. The truth is there. In, even So what I'm saying is this, I mean it very seriously. Let's say I'm a hypocrite who cares more for the honoraria that I get or whatever. It doesn't matter. What matters is the social effect of our words. And believe me, even at that private level, I could defend myself. I appeal to you, to some of you who read your newspapers. Didn't you notice that up till like three years ago, I, w- I published a co in New York Times every two, three months. Now I'm prohibited. Till two, half a year ago. From time to time, I published uh, uh, at least online in Newsweek. I am out. In England, I'm already for two years prohibited three. Did you find anything by me in London review of books? I am out. So there's a backlash against you. Why? Why is that? Because I think I disturb uh, I, because I am a disturbance to both sides. And I think right-wingers are even more right here. They still perceive me as a danger. While leftists think I'm some kind of, uh, I don't know, fake or whatever and so on. But it's very interesting how this works. You know how all of a sudden the more some crazy left-wingers claim that I am, I don't know, There are even tools like I'm obviously a CIA agent. Yeah, Trump of theory. Yeah, no longer Elvis of theory, but (laughs) Trump Trump of of theory. theory, Okay, but I'm almost tempted to say cynically, if I'm Trump of theory, where are my billions? My God, you know what I mean? Like I'm more and more excluded. Now the only place where I can publish in the United States is in these times. And even there, it's mostly online. Mm. And even, for example, I published that, I know, very problematic text for some people. I stand by it totally. In Philosophical Salon on LGBT, can you imagine the backlash? The guy who runs uh, the Mm. Philosophical Salon was almost fired, and so on, and all of a sudden, the liberalism of liberals ended. They claimed, no debate with me, it's a shame that such a text was even published, and so on, and so on. So don't, uh, don't... how to put it? I like this ingenious uh, new concept by the great American intellectual uh, uh, George Bush, the younger. You know, when he said, Don't misunderestimate. He said, It's my influence. You know. You know, like, I am a problem for all. And you know why I can endure it? Because I'm old enough, I have this relatively safe job in London, in my country, so up yours. I, I don't care. I don't care. I'm free. But on the other hand, I must say, how many of my friends get into panic? And all I can tell you is... I don't always agree politically with Sartre, but after the war, for some time, he was attacked by the left and by the right. And he said something that I love. He said, in our confused times, if you are attacked for the same text by both sides, it's one of the few reliable signs that you are on the right path. And it happened to me with my book. I will finish then, sorry. uh, That uh, uh, um, on September 11th, uh, Welcome to the Desert of the Real. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I cannot show you. Friends, send it to me. In Al-Ahram, it was uh, criticized as the most perfidious Zionist propaganda. In Jerusalem Post, it was criticized as the most brutal anti-Semitism and so on. (laughs) Eh? If this happens, maybe... um, But, you know, on the other hand, I don't provide answers. One should... totally agree with you. I'm walking on very, very thin ice in this book. But don't you think that one has to shock people today, even when we are dealing with problems today's academic left? They like to change confronting problem into yet another moralizing, self-satisfying reflection. There is no real sense of urgency. I mean, we're sort of running out of time for our questions, but there, there is a
0: whole kind of strand to your book that is against empathy as the ground for, for politics.
1: But, That's um, the only proper. You know why? I will tell you why. For me, it's terribly racist to say we need to have empathy to, with refugees. Let me be brutal. The majority of people are always slightly, and not just refugees, my God, of you here, whoever, you, I don't like them. So for me, when somebody said, I sympathize, I, had, I met a nice... For example, in Europe, they play such a dirty game. Empathy, and then when you ask them, okay, but show me with whom you have empathy, they all mention some highly educated Syrian refugee, of course, it's one of their. And my argument is, if you base helping refugees of empathy, what about all those with whom it's almost impossible for us to have amputee. And here I am a materialist Christian. True love for the neighbor. Neighbor is the biblical way to say monstrous other. Neighbor is someone precisely with whom you cannot identify. Neighbor is not the fellow man, oh, he is one of us and so on. And the true test with refugees is not we pick up the good guys, you know, those who are almost like us. Look, they read Joyce, oh, my God, and Beckett, and so on. No, what about those who didn't read it, and so on, and so on. That's why I also don't like, and this is a problematic part of the book, I know, uh, this idea of, my God, I, uh, I, this is the part of which I'm very proud, although provocative. Uh, you know, like deep multiculturalists like to say this one of the greatest bullshit statements in the known universe as they say in Star Wars or where that an enemy is only someone whose story we were not ready to hear or something like this are you crazy so would you say that the problem with hitler was he was our enemy because we didn't were not open enough to hear his story no there are real enemies The greatness of Winston Churchill was that. He precisely was reading, listening to Hitler's story. So for me, the point is not this, we get to know them and so on. We cannot get to know them. We don't even know ourselves and so on. True multicultural tolerance is there is an Arab there, a Jew there, uh, uh, a Latino American there, an African there, and we don't know each other, but... We are kind, I believe more and more in superficial kindness manners. We are kind to each other, and then, yes, miracles happen. From time to time, all of a sudden, you know, there is an authentic contact and so on. But I don't like this pressure on, you know, which is always secretly racist. I really hate, for example, in my own country, when somebody comes from the United States and says, oh, what a different country. Could you tell me something about your history, your food, your your uh, poetry? And I explode. I tell you, you want to learn our identity? I can tell you a dirty joke. That's the only thing, and it really works. That's my experience. It worked in every country. I was in China. We were just polite. Then they told me a dirty joke, which is so dirty that with all my bad taste, it involves sperm, urine, shit at the same time. And we become, ins- you know what I mean, like uh, a real opening, breaking the ice, how do you call it, to another, has nothing to do with this trying to understand the other. No, I mean, uh, true communication happens in this split of, of magic moment where simply, like, here we are, we have solidarity. You know, uh, it, it Without those multicultural or relativist, even worse, games like, uh, how do we know that when we say culture, we mean the same thing as they do? No. The only thing that resolves this dilemma is a shared battle. When there was, with all its limitations, Tahrir Square demonstrations, we all of a sudden knew that we are all at the same time, without all the... Multiculturalist problem. I talk too much. No, it's, I,
0: before I, before I throw it open, I'm aware there must be a lot of people who want to say a lot of things. Is that I mean, on this question of, of shared battles, there was just one point in the book where I have to take you to task because you have a chapter on divine violence, the Benjaminian concept of divine. In this violence. book or in violence? This this book. I this Do um, <laughs> you copy and paste it from another? another Absolutely, book. all um, the time, all the time. And you uh, plead guilty. Yeah. And under, under this heading, you, you, you discuss the, 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 the Ferguson uprising, but you characterize that in a very strange way to me as as apparently irrational, a blind acting out. The, you, uh, you say the protesters have an inability to locate the experience of their situation within a meaningful whole. And this is, this is I think you're misrecognizing your friends here. I mean, this is one of the Maybe. most... Significant and important civil rights movements to have emerged since the 1960s, and if you feel it's insufficiently no, directed yeah, and no, political, I should, much more should uh, give there. you the link to yes. the movement for the, the the platform of the movement for Black Lives. But, okay. it, I thought it was strange that you didn't.
1: Okay, no, let me make my position here. I am radically for. Black Lives Matter, and so on. I even agree with Black Lives Matter against those liberals. It's totally wrong, non-dialectical. You say, why only blacks? Why not all lives matter, and so on? You know, this is a lie. I cannot develop it. And I even wrote, you see, and they didn't want to publish it, neither in Guardian, because... Another text, when I confronted the two positions, you remember, a couple of months ago, A black guy shot a couple of white policemen, mostly white, I don't even know if they're all white, and then Trump and all our friends exploded. No, that's the limit, and so on. No, this is, of course, a deplorable act, and so on. But if we compare these two crimes, a policeman shooting a black guy and a desperate black guy shooting policemen, I think, not morally, but... Immanently, even morally, why not, what the hell, <laughs> the, the, the second one, that is to say, white policeman shooting a black protester, whatever, is infinitely more dangerous. Why? I speak here precisely as a law and order guy, because in the case of black guy shooting white policemen, it's simply somebody totally desperate, out of law, not a person of law, shoots representatives of the law. That was for our good Donald, wife of the great Slovene woman and so on, (laughs) Uh, 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 the great crime. But isn't something much more terrifying in a policeman shooting a civilian? Because this means that the rule of law is undermined from within who will protect the law when the law itself does the criminal acts, and so on, and so on. So I'm very clear here. Secondly, I apologize myself. I know what you said about Ferguson, and so on. But my point was this one. Even if sometimes these demonstrations go violent, and so on. Mm. And, of course, let's say I would have found myself at such a place, and... Some black guys would have beaten, beaten me and so on and so on. Of course, I would be scared like shit trying to run away and so on. I would even not be afraid to call for police. But nonetheless, this is why I call them divine violence. We cannot, they may be criminal, whatever. I think
0: this just denies political agency. But to that's this, what to I'm this saying, movement, movement, you're, 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 you're the reducing the it, it to the end. That we cannot sort of simply condemn headless. them as
1: a crime. Mm. That there was, this is what I call divine violence. There was an element of, twisted as it was, demanding social justice, because of which, even if it appears just as violence, we cannot simply condemn it as crime. That's why... And this is, for me, crucial. This is the difference. So I'm going even further. I'm not just saying Ferguson are okay if they obey the law. But uh, uh, if one steps back and throws a stone at a, the at a, at a window of a shop, oh, it's over. No, even in that case, like, uh, we cannot simply condemn it. And that seems to me crucial, not to, when we are doing with de- dealing with desperate protest social protest. Of course, I'm not saying you should dare confront them and say, oh, please kill us, I'm a white guy, I'm guilty for everything, but nonetheless, we don't have the right to simply criminalize them, no, condemn but my, them. but
0: my problem is not, is you're, you're misunderstanding, I'm sorry. Think, but yeah. is that you, you contrasted it to a sort of a properly political street riot, the Paris 1968, in this, and and somehow this... These, these Black led movements fall Wait short of that. No, no, no. That, Here I mean, they are wrong. theorized. They have, you know, they have, you know, there are. I mo- agree, but I was more thinking,
1: out. I must yeah. say, I was a little bit confused. you I was more you know. thinking about Banlieue in yeah. Paris, which were for me a true tragedy. I think this is also a separate thing. I agree. I, apologize. To, I agree. To those but you know also, and also that English British riots two years, three ago, which were triggered by when uh, 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 India and I don't know what guy was shot by police. But then it turned out into just looting the stores and so on and so on. And it shocked me how, and this is the sad predicament indication of where we are. We claim we are in a post-ideological era. Yes, but this means that even the protests, at least in Europe, cannot build a proper positive political vision. And that's for me, if I may conclude by this... uh, for me, you can go on. Uh, the ultimate horror. That's my horror. Look, I'm absolutely a leftist. I think that capitalism is approaching a limit and only a leftist vision can save it. But will there be this vision? Can I, can I sell to you again my old line that I've sold in the last ten days in New York five times, but I love it. Did you see the movie uh, V for Vendetta? You remember how the movie ends? The crowd breaks through police cordon, enters the parliament, everybody is full of joy, and then the end. I'm ready to sell my mother into slavery. I can say this because she's dead, no? uh, uh, If, in order to see a movie called Vendetta Part, V for Vendetta Part 2. The governing years. Yeah, but what Um, do they do then? Do um, they nationalize industry or what? They don't look. Syriza, it seemed that they have a vision. Mm -hmm. And this is the the mini tragedy of our politics. What did Syriza do? Won heroically the referendum. Next day, capitulation. And I don't blame on then, who betrayal. This is the deadlock of politics today. Look at Podemos in Spain. All the point, government by the people, for the people. Then if you look closely at their electoral program, it's just a Tiny little bit, even very modest social democracy. We will slightly raise the taxes like this. Does the left have a vision or not? It doesn't have. And that makes me really sad. This is why I claim there is a serious option. That's my pessimism. That what if something doesn't happen? Not Donald Trump, but leftist alternative to him. What we are approaching is what? Well, as always, when you are at a loss, Hollywood has the answer. By this I mean movies like Hunger Games, Elysium. We are approaching a new class society which will be potentially even stronger than the old ones. I claim even that with all the biogenetic medicine and so on, more and more a new ruling caste will even... Biologically, be more and more distinct than ordinary people. I mean, the prospect is horrible. Yeah, I the Morlocks
0: and the Eloy. Sorry?
1: The Morlocks and the Eloy from H.G. Uh, Wells,
0: the speciation of... Yeah, yeah, speciation. We should, we should open this up <laughs> we've, we've, we've... Really? Uh, we had um, such
1: a nice time, and now you want some people to... But yeah, listen, yeah. Yeah. I will <laughs> tell you as a Stalinist, but we are the top representatives of the people. We <laughs> know better than them what they really want. Okay. Well, so, we, can, okay. we now have an opportunity to tell them one by one.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. So there's a microphone uh-huh. just yeah, on, on that envelope. side. And if you, if you want to try and ask a question, please line up there where Joel in the pink shirt is, and you'll be told whether so, you're valid would be or not.
1: My ideal debate and, that we give an answer, and then they should raise guess to what <laughs> question this was an answer. <laughs> that would be so, my ideal debate. <laughs> right. Please, I'm um, sorry for you can see that I'm like that Scorpio from that old Orson Welles story, Scorpio and a frog. You no, know? even if I drown, I will bite you. <laughs> it's my nature. Sorry. So we, Please, we, we sorry. have a lucky
2: winner. Hello. Oh, hi. Thank you for coming in. Uh, I really enjoyed the talk. Uh, my question is, you said that Hurley lost because there was an anti-establishment trend. But, I mean, if Joe Biden ran, I mean, he probably would have won, right, off Obama's record. So how true is that? So I, I
0: didn't... Uh, uh, she, Biden would have won, possibly. Um, and But so it was this really an anti-establishment victory for Trump. I mean, you know, I mean, frankly, it was probably white suburban soccer moms who of put God? him in. No, right? no,
1: no. I, I know that this anti-establishment has a certain fascist logic. It's a fake anti-establishment, my God. No, But you know what's my point here? That simply this left liberal Re, uh, uh, democratic consensus. It terrifies me. And I wonder if Biden was the one to break out of it, really. I think Sanders was the only one. You know why? I will tell you exactly why. because And I'm not bluffing. I was in uh, Vermont. I met with some of his very close people. Uh, look, the, the true miracle, as far as I know, maybe I'm wrong again, of, of uh, Sanders is this one that if you look at his constituency in Vermont, it's precisely those, many of them, white farmers, half-poor people, who are usually the ideal ground for Trump Mm -hmm. voters. And that's the true miracle. The only chance for the left is to get those. Those anti-establishment figures, I mean figures, those who experienced rage and were... seduced into that camp. And that's what Hillary missed when she opted for this consensus. You know, it was almost ridiculous. I'm sorry if I repeat this, but Hillary tried to cover everything, like uh, from Wall Street to Occupy Wall Street. Incidentally, this is the only moment when I authentically sympathize with Trump. You remember after Bernie Sanders supported Hillary, he said, This is almost like somebody from Occupy Wall Street supporting Lehman Brothers or whatever. I think that uh, that's maybe, maybe there is a chance, maybe not, the the opportunity. And again, maybe you know more than me. I'm definitely not dreaming that Sanders is the first step towards some new communist party and so on. That game is over. But we need a more... Still very rational, no crazy things, more radical left. That was my fear of this Hillary consensus. Again, it was Wall Street and Occupy Wall Street. It was, as we all know, Saudi Arabian money and LGBT plus and so on. And when you have this all encompassing, in an ironic way, I put it, Rainbow Coalition, the first question to raise is what had to be Excluded that in order to get this coalition. And it's clear, those like Sanders who were a little bit too much to the left. And she paid the price for it, I claim. Thank that you. would be, but it's a very simple answer. Again, don't misunderstand me. I don't pretend that I really know things. I'm even very mad about writing such shitty books, at this, <laughs> no, you know why? I'm not kidding. I'm an old guy who wants now to write some big, fat philosophical books. And even when I read political stuff, like by my friend uh, Jeremiah Glick, I think, who wrote wrote now an excellent book on uh, Haitian revolution and its echoes in World of Art, and he touches there extremely important topic of the genuinely tragic dimension of socialist left revolutions. And he pleads for something with which I deeply agree that we have to admit that leftist revolutions also are radically tragic. In the simple sense, you want one thing, you get the opposite result, you have to totally redefine your goals, and so on, and so on. So even this interest is part of my more general how to read Hegel, why Hegel is today more actual than Marx's argumentation. My heart is there. Like, let me remind you that I also published uh, now uh, two other books. I'm crazy, I know. One, Disparities, 400 pages, again, my eternal topic, Hegel, Heidegger, and so on. And another one, which is a small one, but maybe my favorite one, my rewriting of Antigone. Which is the nicest. I love it so much. We've strayed quite far from Joe Biden. Sorry? Uh, we've strayed far from, the, from, the, the, from Biden, from Joe Biden, and the, No, and the w- we no, no, some, no. I did not bring okay. some more like interlocutors in. My um, point is that why am I writing these political shit books? Because I feel some kind of a civic duty, I always have a feeling that other people who know more should have been doing it. I consider myself sovereign enough when I write about Hegel, Heidegger, whatever, but not there. I feel a little bit stupid. I don't know enough. But always I ask myself, but where are those others who should have known it better, you know? Thank In this you. Sense, I'm giving you an answer why I don't know. <laughs> That's good, thank you. An answer to your question. Grab the mic. Say something.
3: <laughs> I just think we're at a horrific, horrific moment. Donald Trump is a fascist. Professor Zizek's statement that he's just an opportunist and not a fascist, I think, is outrageous and very dangerous. Nothing communist or revolutionary about it. And I feel this is a moment, I'm speaking to the panel and to everyone here, that we have to, in the name of humanity, refuse to accept a fascist America with horrendous impact, not just for black and brown people and immigrants and women here, but for billions of people around the world. I think this is a moment we have to stay in the streets, we have to keep resisting. We cannot accommodate with this. We cannot normalize this. We have to fight together and work together to stop this. I encourage, we, I'm, some of you may have got the flyer. I encourage everyone to get this. I encourage people to go to Revolution Books or RevCom.us, get into this but we have to come together and stop this now and you can go to the website there's more information on this you know i'm sorry i'm being brief this is a moment i'm i'm gonna be brief just let me finish i think I this is a moment i know you didn't i'm not i'm appealing to the chair make, make, people, make your
0: point and, and i and will move on. i
3: will do that uh, Come talk to me. And the reason I mention in the the website is because there is a deep analysis of where this fascism comes from that Bob Avakian's brought forward, as well as, okay, as well as a new communism and a strategy for a real revolution. But again, we have to come together to resist and stop this. Thank you.
1: Okay, I would love to answer to this. (laughs) First, Let me go step by step. First, something is absolutely missing in what you said. Even if you belong to Bob Awaken, you have spoken now as a liberal in despair. Oh, my God, catastrophe happens. No, Trump is a symptom. He is a symptom of what is wrong with Hillary, with Democratic Party. Our first act should be, what did we do? Not this moral satisfaction, horror, horror, horror. What did we do wrong? We, the moderate left, and so on. If we don't do this, you will get another Trump, maybe even worse. Second thing, second thing. Uh, You know, again... I wrote this, I Trump is this scam, whatever you want, but be careful with these big words. If you want to be a Marxist, you should avoid this. I okay, get this leftists with some leftist attitude or you see something disgusting emerging and without proper analysis, which I didn't see, you simply use the old, as the Germans say, Schimpf word, No? Like, oh, fascism, fascism. No, it's not simply the old fascism. It's some horror that we may even call democratic fascism. The new right is so perverse. For example, do you know that in Netherlands, there were even racists who were anti-immigrant racists who were almost left left wing multicultural racists. Like do you remember that guy Pim Fortuyn, in Denmark, hmm. well. who was absolutely anti immigrant, but his anti immigration was based on in a disgusting way, I don't support him. On 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 in on on tolerance, he was himself gay, and so
0: on. We have a, we have a lot of that on the out right here. There's the, the, the language of identity politics is absolutely part of the political rhetoric of the right here, yeah, now.
1: See, yeah, so I think that I agree with you. We should keep the emergency state. But the first task here is to ask, what did we do wrong? That's for me so crucial. If we don't do this, we will just, even if In the next elections, Democrats win. We will just slowly be approaching the catastrophe. So my point is not, no, Trump is not so bad, and so on, and so on. My point is that uh, the danger should not... Okay, I'll put it this way. Trump is the symptom. So if you just fight Trump, you do what doctors call symptomal healing, you know. For example, you have some disease and you feel pain. Okay, you take a pill so that you will not uh, feel pain, but you don't cure the disease. And this, I want but this to... is a plea for a structural analysis, of which Trump is a sort of
0: epiphenomenon of, uh, of something.
1: No, but it's much more radical. I think Trump is, if I may use Chomsky's term... Uh, uh, who, he took it from of course but uh, developed in a, no 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 it's not criticism of Chomsky it's just it's interesting to note I forgot even from whom that Chomsky took his term manufacturing democracy from who is it the American great manufacturing consent. sorry Lippmann Lipman from Lippmann, who ironically uses it in a positive way but in a way what is do, going on now is the breakdown of the mechanism of manufacturing consent. And this is, uh, I mean, you know, every democracy is not just up there in the air. There is a whole thick network of unwritten rules and so on and so on. How does it function? Let's, and let's, let's bre- bring some more people in. Maybe I'm we sorry, could take two I'm or sorry,
0: three short comments and, uh, and, and, and you can roll them into a ball.
1: Um, please. Oh, well. uh, or be, they will roll me into a ball. And one or the other. Thing.
2: Hmm. Hi, this is a more uh, general question, so it's not on the topic of Trump or anything, Um, but it's relating to this contradiction that a lot of, I guess, like, intellectuals and academics have, and you, like, sort of mentioned it briefly. It's this sort of, like, and you talked about it in your The Sublime Object of Ideology, where you... Reformulate Marx's false consciousness, where, was, where you say, well, Marx says they don't know what they're doing, but they are doing it. Yes. And then you say, they know very well what they are doing, but they are doing it anyway. Which, how I understood that is, regard it doesn't matter what you say or the critical distance that you have, it's what your actions are and what you do. So then just about half an hour ago you were saying that we should judge you on what you say rather than what you're doing so can you explain this sort of contradiction Absolutely. Easy. and Let, also, let's,
0: let's park this and then let's bring let's do a couple more no, but
2: we, if you know, i
1: promise i will short because i'm old okay, senile, okay. tired I, I may forget your point right
2: and so i mean like i i'm very sympathetic with that because like i'm like i'm looking into academia as a, as a field and so how do you Sort of, what are the options and opportunities for resistance and critique when we're, you know, like balls deep in neoliberal capitalism Mm -hmm. and our pleasures are constructed by this hegemonic ideology?
1: No, uh, okay. I will be. I will try to keep my word and be as short as possible. My answer would be that even if ideology means they don't know what they're doing or they're doing and so on and so on, uh, it still, and that's what Marx was very clear about. Ideology. ideology is never simply an epiphenomenon in the sense that things are really happening out there. It's an illusion, but an illusion inscribed into social reality itself. It's a lie, but a lie which is embodied in social practices and so on and so on. So it matters how we talk about it. My th- theory, to give you a concrete example of this, but we know what we are doing, but we are nonetheless doing it. And so incidentally, I refer here to Peter Sloterdijk. That's his formula of cynical reason. But still, uh, so the enigma is this one, and I try to explain it, I will not lose time now. If we are doing something and we know fully that what we are doing, why is this still ideology? Isn't it that words and acts simply overlap? My, my answer, I don't have time to go into it, is no. Because it's not the, there are not only two terms in play, what we are, reality and how we talk about her. Reality may be the same as what we talk about, but in between can be an illusion of which we are not aware. And we know it's an illusion, but we still follow it. If you will permit me, I'm sure you know it, just to give you one formula joke which I used already five times in my books, which is for me perfect to render this. Niels Bohr, you know the story, when he was visited in his country house by his friend, the friend noticed there on the entrance of the door a horseshoe, you know. The uh, uh, superstitious item uh, preventing evil spe- spirits entering the house. And the friend asked him, but listen, you are a scientist. Why do you have that bullshit there? And Niels Bohr gave him a perfect answer. He said, of course, I don't believe in it. I'm a scientist. But I have it there, Horshu, because I was told that it works even if you don't believe in it. <laughs> That's ideology today. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know the truth, but you act as if it's not true and true. It works. And the paradox today is that, and that was my trauma, disappointment with Yugoslav self-management capitalism. It's not only that it was an ideology that in the reality didn't work. I experienced it through some of my friends who, for example, worked in the Central Committee of the Slovene Communist Party, and they lost their job, two of them. Why? Because they took the official ideology literally seriously and were just already to be too close to dissidents. So you had in ex-Yugoslavia a paradoxical regime where it was a positive condition to be part of the system of not taking the official ideology seriously. You had to have a cynical, ironic stance towards it. If you took it too seriously, you were immediately suspected to be a dissident and so on. Thank you. Next Hello
0: uh, I just have a, a question that and i don 't know who else to ask this to, but um, so New York City was uh, you know mostly uh, almost totally blue uh, all for Hillary Clinton but Brighton Beach was totally red, which is where all the you know the the Russians that emigrated from the Soviet Union uh, you know post post uh, post the collapse yeah. uh, live now and and as a member of that community, like not a supporter of their beliefs, but listening to the Russian radio, one of the big uh, you know, points seemed to be that we don't want those you know, Muslim refugees coming into America. So how do you kind of reconcile these people who were themselves refugees just 20 years ago being like really staunch anti-next
1: wave of refugees? But it's always like those, this. I mean, I experienced the same with some of my relatives who lived in California. An uncle of mine was met with, married uh, a girl from Mexico, and she was the most sound supporter of, we have to stop, like, you know, some of the refugees like to be that last way, it's good that America accepted us, but sorry guys, it's full, like, (laughs) we are, you know, and I'm here totally not cynical, but cynically realist, in the sense that I don't surprise me. What do you expect from them? That they would say, oh, we Russians were also refugees. We, we will also all welcome all of you. No. You see, this is the realism of which I talk. We have to admit, and again, in Europe, up to a point, in some places I heard, Syrian refugees are playing the same game. Like, we come from a relatively non-fundamentalist Syria, we are okay, accept us to Europe, but not those Afghanis and so on, they are totally, de- it's, 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 uh, no, it's, that's how ideology functions and so on. I mean, for example, when we speak about refugees, another thing, we should never forget that, in spite of those couple of terrorist attacks. My God, this is fundamentally the war between Sunnis and Shi'as. no? That's where... Hundreds of thousands are dying. And we seem totally to forget this and just speak about some general Muslim invasion or whatever. But sorry, I don't have more time to go into it.
4: And we have one more, I think. So, Professor, so you mentioned uh, the last uh, three or four years uh, sort of prohibition against your work in certain publications where it had been regular in the past. Do you see a... A sort of uh, coincidence between the rise of identity politics, not only in the American academia, but also in the mainstream media, and this prohibition against not only your works, but also other authors who have similar types of ideas? And do you also see, by any chance, that there has been an increase not only in leftists with similar positions to your own, but centrists who are also mirroring a lot of the anti-identity politics positions? And do you see any potential, especially in the context of Trump's winning the election, of a sort of uh, possible coalition with some of these centrists who might be possibly brought into a new type of struggle?
1: Sorry. Maybe I missed some... uh... Can you give me the, the... I mean, essentially, if I understand you right, I, I you're we saying that identity time, so politics so really has quickly. now become a kind of universal tool no, in the, No, in absolutely the not. I think no. identity politics is to a large extent responsible for getting But that, that, that's precisely what
4: I'm asking. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: So I think, no, now it's the time to, not, of course, from the right wing, but one has to say something. You know, I never understood one thing. Why is political correctness in the sense of controlling speech, trigger warning, and that. Why is this even accepted as a leftist position? I often hear right-wingers when they say, Marxists in our university. What has this to do with Marxism?
4: That's precisely what I was saying. I was saying that there's, have you seen a coincidence between the decrease in your publication in certain areas and the rise of identity politics in the American academia and also in the mainstream media, and also at that same time, While the right points at the left and claims that this is the standard Marxist rhetoric, not only do they employ the same identity politics, but at this same period you see centrist academics in the United States criticizing some of this identity politics, mainstream media, and you see a possible coalition between critics such as yourself and those centrist critics.
1: Uh, no, because uh, the reason, because I don't criticize it from as too extreme and so on. I criticize it as a, as a desperate act of impotence, of trying to regulate speech and so on, which in no way changes the actual relations of domination and so on and so on. Because, you know, we even have a right-wing uh, 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 politically correct speech like we witnessed it already 10 years ago or when, when, you know, instead of saying torture, we now say enhanced interrogation technique, no? And as I predict in my vicious vulgar way, wait a little bit and in 10 years from now, rape will be called enhanced seduction technique or whatever, I, you I, know? I, I know, I saw, I saw your video from two days ago. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> my mind um? is... No, but what I want to say is that, is that uh, I see the despair of political correctness. In this sense, that uh, the limit of political correctness is me at more levels. First, I don't agree with this basic premise, and that's also what brought my conflicts with some of the, although I totally support their goals and so on, LGBTQ plus people, no. The idea is words should not hurt people, people have the right to be called the way they want, and so on. Absolutely at the basic level. But not, this is not for me an absolute value. Like if a Millionaire comes to me and says, I don't want to be called a dirty capitalist. I gave 10 millions to New York Public Library and so on and so on. No, there are enemies who should be called pigs or what they are and so on. It has absolutely, I mean, look, my problem with this identity politics is this one, that the antagonism is missing. This is a politics of multiple groups and the vision is we should all ultimately recognize with each other. But I'm sorry to tell you, if I may be excused for using this old-fashioned term, class struggle is not politics of recognition. Our goal is not to be more recognized. Our goal is, of course, not physically, but as a class, as their position of power, to be brutal, to annihilate the enemy. It's a totally different logic of political antagonism. So uh, this is what... I'm so afraid of and also at a different level I'm always very sensitive to what I cannot but call si- secret class implication of many politically correct This, like if you talk with people then privately advocate political correctness it's so clear that those who use male chauvinist language are often I don't know spanish immigrant workers you know is this hidden class dimension, I see political correctness, as with all those trigger warnings and so on, as typical liberal middle class strategy of putting a screen between you and reality, of not confronting the brutality of reality. That's why I'm horrified as this latest university fashions of Trigger warning and trigger warnings and so on and so on. No! University studies should traumatize you, shock you, my god. They are not safe places. They are places where you should be horrified, no? I mean, horrified, not by disgusting professors there, like me maybe, but you know what you know what I mean, yeah. Right. I'm sorry that I didn't properly I'm tired uh, grasp your question. I think with that we've we've run out of time. So i uh, uh, like how to... much more do you have to bribe you so that you repeat this, you know like <laughs> I like this hypocrisy so that now I'm sorry, I'm really tired. That's why I would like to end. But you know, so that then when you ask me I can say I would love to go on, but you see this uh, guy <laughs> <Yeah>, i
0: Slava <am. laughs> <laughs> J-Zach and it was